Hello, women of strength. We have an amazing episode for you today, but first I want to talk just a little bit about postpartum depression. Studies show that one in seven new mamas will develop postpartum depression. It's scary in a topic that doesn't really get discussed about a lot. So before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share a little bit about our podcast sponsor and partner, Happiest Baby. As you guys know from listening to the VBAC link, this podcast means so much to me. I love every single one of you. I know that's hard to believe because I don't personally know every single one of you, but it is true. I love this community so much, and it means so much to me that Dr. Harvey Karp and his company, Happiest Baby, are such big supporters of VBAC and are supporting our mission. One of their biggest products that people may know or have heard of is called the Snoo. The Snoo is an amazing baby bed that can truly help many mamas out there during their postpartum journey, especially if you were like me and have a husband or a partner that has to go right back to work and are left with these amazing, cute, snuggly babies, but also exhausted. Whether you've had a C-section or a vaginal birth for those few days, and let's be honest, probably months, you're just exhausted. I was in pure survival mode. So many people refer to this new as the mama helper, who's there to help soothe your baby so you can just get a few more hours of sleep. They even have a rental program, which I think is pretty awesome, so you don't actually have to buy the bassinet. As I started learning more about Dr. Carp and his mission, I just love learning that he is so passionate about reducing postpartum depression in parents. They even got FDA approval, which I believe is the only bassinet or baby bed that has been FDA approved. It's also been known for reducing SIDS in babies as well. I asked our community for their reviews of Snoo, and I was overwhelmed by the positive responses. I just wanted to say thank you to Dr. Carp for creating the Snoo and helping millions of mamas sleep for just a few more hours at night so we can continue bonding with our babies and having a better postpartum experience. Thank you, happiest baby. Welcome to the VBAC link, everybody. This is your host, Megan, and we have our friend Janelle with us today, and she is going to be sharing you with you her VBAC story. She is from Minnesota and has so many amazing tips. Some of the highlights of her, her birth stories is post dates. Now, this is one we, we talk about all the time, I feel like, on the podcast, but baby being born after or by a certain day. So 41 weeks, is that right, Janelle, that you ended up being, well, someone told you had to have an induction and then you declined and then your baby came spontaneously within that time. So really, really cool stuff. And then, you know, planning for an unmedicated hospital birth without, like with little to no intervention, that's also something that's very possible. So if you're looking on how to do that, this is definitely a story you're going to want to listen to. And then financially or physically, or even a relation, you know, relationship wise, uh, you don't have to have the ideal birth to have a great birth. And so I'm really excited to hear Janelle's story about all of these little details. So yeah, I am going to jump into a review of the week, tell you a little bit more about Janelle, and then we're going to get into her story. Today's reviewer is Bethany Sagart. I am hoping I didn't just butcher your last name, Bethany. I'm so sorry if I did. This was back in 2020, so just a couple of years ago, and the subject is podcast was part of my VBA2C journey. 
says, I am so thankful for this podcast. I listened to it so, so many episodes in preparation for my VBA 2C. Listening to other women share their stories gave me the courage to keep working and fighting for my upcoming birth. I just gave birth to my third boy and the birth was everything I could have asked for. I am so thankful for this podcast and blog and refer every expecting mom I know to it in hopes that it gives them courage and confidence it gave me to give birth the way they want and deserve. Thank you so much, Bethany, for that wonderful review. And just a reminder for all you listeners, we do have a blog. We have a wonderful website where you can go. You can find a whole bunch of stuff on our blog. We have a resource page. We have doulas. If you're looking for a VBAC doula, we have a list of VBAC doulas all over the world. We also have a VBAC course and we now have a mini course, which is really exciting. So if you are wanting to keep up in your game and fill yourself with education, hop over to the VBAClink.com and find all that we have to offer. You are tuned into the VBAC Link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Hello, women of strength. This is Megan. I am so happy you're listening to the podcast. When I was preparing for my vaginal birth after two cesareans, it was hard to find the evidence-based information in one spot, and it could leave me feeling lonely or even confused. This is why Julie and I created the VBAC Link podcast. And did you know we also send out emails with helpful tips and advice on how to achieve your VBAC, all easily digestible in one email form? Just head over to the VBAClink.com. That is T-H-E-V-B-A-C l-i-n-k dot com and sign up to start receiving your VBAC tips and info today. Okay, Miss Janelle, thank you so much for being here. Janelle is a full-time stay-at-home mama of two girls and after an unexpected cesarean in 2020, Janelle began the process of planning and preparing for her VBAC. Her and her husband enjoy getting outside with their girls, cooking up good food, and playing board games together after all the kids are in bed. Janelle, welcome. Welcome to the VBAC Link, and thank you again for being here. Yeah, I'm so glad to be sharing my story. Absolutely. Well, we know it's going to inspire just like all the stories on here, so I'd love to turn the time over to you. Okay. Well, I'm Janelle, and... When I was planning for my VBAC, I would always be doing the dishes at night, listening to the VBAC link. And it was my goal to have the VBAC. But then the second goal was to be able to share the story. So I'm really glad to be sharing. Here you are. Oh, so awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I've heard a lot of other moms say every VBAC starts with a cesarean. So I'll start there. (laughs) Exactly where it starts. Yeah, I can't have a VBAC without a cesarean, right? Right. So with my first daughter's birth, my water broke and I was really wanting uh, unmedicated type delivery, natural vaginal delivery. And the water broke 
And I got so excited. I thought it's going to happen. Things are going. And this was a few days before 40 weeks. So I thought I was going to have my first baby right on time. It was going to happen perfectly how I wanted. But then after the water broke, no contractions started. And I hadn't really educated myself and really prepared for the labor very well. So I didn't know to maybe stay at home for a little bit to try and get things going. And I ended up going to the hospital, which led to many interventions. Um, I got induced and it just, nothing was really happening. I was, I was dilating a little bit, but it wasn't fast enough. I'm putting that in air quotes. It wasn't fast enough. And there was meconium present. So there were a few things that I felt like were kind of stacked against me. And in the end, we decided that it would be safest for me and the baby to get the C-section. Could I go back? I would do a lot of things differently, but that's just how it was. And yeah. and it's what a you knew of, in the time, right? Exactly. Like it's what you knew then. That's yes. that and that's one of the things about birth and all of this stuff is we grow, we grow as we learn. And sometimes we have to learn, quote unquote, the hard way mm-hmm. in order to make change for the future. Right. So I kind of see a blessing in it really that mm-hmm. I was able to go through the C-section and then have learned so much in the process yeah, of preparing yeah. for a VBAC. And I never thought I'd say that, that I'm thankful for how the story was, but now I am. Uh, so anyways, had the C-section and right away I was pretty sad about it. I was bummed and I knew I wanted another baby. I was hoping to have another baby and I really wanted to be back. Like <laughs> from the second I left the hospital, <laughs> I thought the next time I come here, I'm not having another C-section. So I put my mind to it. And about a year and a half-ish later, I think it would have been, our girls are about two years apart. We got pregnant with our uh, newest baby. And I started all of the research, the educational research, the physical research. I tried to prepare emotionally, spiritually. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to do what I could to prepare. And so leading up to it, I had always heard, you know, you need a supportive provider. You need a supportive provider. That's like the number one thing. But because of some family circumstances, we had some interesting financial goals. Our deductible had already been met because of some surgeries that happened in that year. And so it really was the best decision for us, for me to be at the hospital. Mm -hmm. Because some people say, well, you know, it'll only be $5,000, you know, only 5,000 to get a midwife at home. Like that's how much it kind of is in our area, but that was a lot to us. Like uh, yeah. that was not pocket change. Yeah. And at that time, that is what's really, you know, cause we talk about how like in the end game, like two, three, four, five years down the road, are you going to be like, okay, that $5,000, you know, like it probably was worth it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, but at the same time, you have to take into consideration where you are in that time. And right. if it is going to cause stress and angst and and hardship, mm-hmm. it's probably not worth it, right? right? And, Which and is if hard. you have other alternatives, you can yeah. still make a great, you know, a great birth. Right. And so I was thinking, I thought this is like the main recommendation that everyone has to have the good provider. And I thought, I don't really have that opportunity you know, but I did have the opportunity to have a doula. So I said, this is my situation. I'm getting a doula that I like, but I will be at the hospital. So Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to learn what I need to learn for my situation. 
and mm-hmm. I'm going to stop complaining about it, not being able to do it just how I want. <laughs> so that's when I started the education of how to do this at the hospital because that's where I was going to be. So I had some pressures during the pregnancy to have different interventions that I wasn't interested in. Um, one of them, I think the, the highlighted, the one I should highlight is pressure to be induced at 40 weeks. My baby was measuring a little bit on the bigger side. She came out at a little over nine pounds. So that was the reason that they were interested in inducing. And then also because of the previous cesarean, they were telling me there was better chance of cesarean or <laughs> better chance of Feedback. things going well for us mm-hmm. if if I was closer to 40 weeks. But because of my views and what I had educated myself on and what I believed, I did not want to accept that intervention. So I told them I wanted to wait and 40 weeks came and went and I was really surprised that it came and went because I was trying to do all the things, but you know what they say, you cannot force (laughs) the baby to come before they're ready. But we were walking, like we were hiking Mm, (laughs) every day and I like felt the baby. There was so much pressure, but nothing was happening. And I'd wake up every morning and I'd think I'm going to end up with another C-section. The baby's not coming. Like I'm not going to go spontaneously. But I had some really good support around me. My husband knew how much the VBAC meant to me. Our doula, her name is Kayla. Shout out to Kayla. I know she'll listen. And she was so supportive. And she just told me, like, hang in there. Take it day by day. You can always make a decision, you know, the next day or the day of. Yeah. Um, what are they going to say if I come in and ask to be induced? They'd probably be happy to have me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I just kept waiting. And then 41 weeks came. And I was kind of getting Braxton Hicks for like the whole pregnancy, the like so many. So by this point, having feelings down there (laughs) wasn't really anything new. Yeah, not foreign. (laughs) Right. I was just like, oh, they're probably Braxton Hicks again. And I was I was playing that game of I wanted to be in joyful denial because I wanted to progress Mm -hmm. um, naturally. So I was in this mindset of if anything's happening, like, I don't want to think about it anyways. So we got up, we made breakfast. I was getting contractions at this point, but I had never had natural contractions. I had only had contractions that were induced. So I didn't really know what was going on. So I made the breakfast and then I had this urge to clean the front closet, which should have been the, like, today's the day. (laughs) Yeah. That can definitely be a sign, a surge of energy. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the front closet was cleaned. We listed a lot of stuff on Marketplace. Things were sold. Um, and after we put my toddler down for a nap, I thought, oh, I had a chance, you know, to kind of think about what was going on. I thought, mm-hmm. these are still mm-hmm. going. And mm-hmm. I, I hadn't really been paying attention to it. And I heard this trick, I guess, of if you get in the shower and they get, continue and get stronger, then it's probably labor. But if they go away, then it's probably not. And I had yeah. done this before. I had gotten in the shower, then I get out and they're gone. So I just thought, I guess I'll do the test again. So I get into the shower and I, I like feel one. I thought, ooh, that was interesting. And then I get out and they, they continue. So I thought, maybe this is something. But I wasn't fully convinced. So I got to my room and I, I downloaded the first contraction timer app that I could find. <laughs> and I timed a few. And I thought, well, that's weird. Two minutes apart. Like, this can't be it. Like, what's they say that they're supposed to be like five minutes apart at first. What's going on? They're probably two minute apart Braxton Hicks contractions, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I screenshotted it and I sent it to my doula. And I just asked her, you know, what, what do you think is going on? 
And she played it cool. And she said, oh, are you having any other symptoms? And I said, oh, I just kind of feel like I have to poop, but nothing more than that. And she said, okay, I'm going to come over to your house. Because the plan was to labor at home for as long as possible and then to head over to the hospital Mm -hmm. very late in the game. So I asked my husband to bring our toddler to a friend's house because I was starting to kind of have to breathe through some things. And I I was in that mindset of I wanted to focus. Yeah. So I was like, she's got to leave. I have to focus. Our doula got there. My husband got back from dropping our toddler off. And I was just wanted to be in our bedroom away from everyone was laboring, standing up. And I was using that breathing technique of like four seconds in, six seconds out. And okay, I had just researched and researched VBAC that I had kind of forgotten. Like like I researched positions and how to deal with medical staff, but I had kind of forgotten like, oh, I I should have some techniques, like breathing techniques. So (laughs) oddly enough, a few days before labor started, I was watching this YouTube like vlog of someone in labor uh-huh. and that is what that's what her technique was and thankfully it stuck with me and it worked for me because it is all I had <laughs> and that's just what I did and it I guess it calmed me down and it worked mm-hmm. but it's really powerful um, our breath is so powerful yes so four seconds in six seconds out that's what I did the whole time and then um, my doula said anytime I was ready we could probably head to the hospital because you know she was watching and she knew that I was progressing and that it was getting close to yeah. active labor. <laughs> That's what it's called, right? Active labor is like active phase when of it labor. picks up. Yeah. Oh, transition is what I was meaning. She oh, knew yeah. that I was getting when close you're to transition. Into transition, yes, which is an active was, phase of labor. Yeah. I was getting shaky and like mm. ready, but I said no, no, like I we don't want to head in before it's time. You know, mm-hmm. I want to have this VBAC. And so she kind of pulled my husband aside. And I, I heard that she told him, if we don't plan on having the baby at home, we better head in. Like, you got you to get her in the car. <laughs> so they told me, no, we think it's a good time. And I, I trusted them, but was still a little in denial. You know, am I, is this it? Should we go mm-hmm. in? Yeah. So we, we drove to the hospital. It wasn't that bad. We lived pretty close. Thankfully, my wonderful doula and wonderful husband got us to skip triage, which is something we had talked about before. It was like a goal that we wanted to be able to skip past triage. And it was a little bit rocky because I don't think they, the hospital staff fully wanted that to happen. But my doula pressed. She's like, her contractions are two minutes apart. Like, please just let us yeah. go. She wants to have a natural labor. <laughs> She's in labor, yeah. I promise. <laughs> so we got back to the room and that was such a blessing to go right back to the room because I think it kept me more calm. Mm -hmm. And uh, once we got there, I started having more shakes and adrenaline and started feeling scared. Help. I I realized I was the only one that was going to do this. (laughs) And I realized, okay, this is the real deal. Like I I finally realized this is happening today and this baby comes out of me. Like (laughs) no one else is able to really help me here. But that was a little bit scary. And so during this time, it was kind of pushed on us to get a check in order to be a cervical. Yep. In order to get admitted to the hospital. So I kind of pushed against that. Like I wasn't interested, I wasn't interested. But then I got to the point where I thought, you know, if I get a check, I feel like that might be something that is encouraging to me mm-hmm. if I if I get that. And so I told them that I was okay with it. And I was a nine and a half. And I was like, it's happening. Like I really think it's happening. Yeah. And was so thankful 
that um, things are progressing and that's funny that you're contracting to the point where your cervix is nine and a half, but they're questioning admitting you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And that's what we were telling them. Like, no, this, this is real. This is it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have a baby. Right. But I'm, I'm glad that I didn't do the check too soon. Like mm-hmm. we were there for a little bit before I said that that was okay. And I think that kind of kept me in that labor land, yeah. you know, kind of turned inward, just focusing And some things that I used getting to the hospital is I I kept going with that breathing. I let my husband and doula really like do all the talking and I just shut my eyes. Mm -hmm. And if people asked me questions, I was just feeling really free to kind of put my hand up and just continue what I was doing. Because my my doula told me, she's like, you're a very sweet person, but it's not the time that you have to be like super polite. Like you don't want to be rude, but she's like, this is a time like you are the woman in labor. It's okay if you tell them one second, please, or just put your hand up because you're busy. Like (laughs) you're doing, you're doing something right now. Mm -hmm. So I I practiced that just being okay with making people wait, which was odd for me. Like I'm not used to being that way, but just to realize today's my day. Like today it's about me and that's okay. (laughs) Exactly. And that is something I feel like so many of us moms and especially in labor, it's like, we are so like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like you, we don't want to put anyone out or anything, but really it's okay. They it can wait. <laughs> they don't have to have anything right then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's the funny part. Um, I guess some people came in like while I was like veering pushing, like I was feeling pressure and saying, I think I need to push. And people were coming in and introducing themselves. And my doula says, oh. I, I told them, it's very nice to meet you all, but not right now. <laughs> like while I was you know, doing the thing. And I thought that was kind of funny that those manners came out during <laughs> such mm-hmm. a, such a time. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so nine and a half centimeters was super excited. My water broke then soon after that. And I was confirmed complete about 40 minutes after my water broke. And then about 20 minutes after starting to push our, our baby was born. She was 20 minutes yeah, loudly crying not a little over nine pounds. And I was just so stunned that it had happened. And I was so glad that it had happened. Yes. Oh my gosh. And that's fast pushing. It was. I was up in the position where like you lean the bed up, then you kind of lean over the back. Yeah. So maybe like a modified all fours kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. That (laughs) is awesome. And you did, you, you labored as long as you, could you know there at home and then you got there and then again just it's just so awesome because to hear like the difference where it's like yeah I don't want that I don't want that I don't want that okay I'm I'm now okay with that and that's something I'd like to make no you know for the listeners is it's okay to not want something and say no and then it's okay to change your mind if that's what you want right it's the same thing with epidurals like getting epidurals like you know, you, you can change your mind in labor. It's okay. You're, you're totally warranted in doing that. And, and it can help you when you are the one making the decision. Exactly. Like you were saying, I was really glad I didn't check before then because I was in this great labor space and then I was ready and that was okay with me. Mm -hmm. And it really, really pushed me along. Like to know that I was nine and a half. I think it gave me a boost to say, 
you know, okay, this is happening. It gave me some confidence. Yes, absolutely. You know, one of the things, so uh, we have, every time we have a storyteller, we have them, them kind of fill out a a sheet. And one of the things she said, I, the question is, is what is a secret lesson or something no one really talks about that you wish you would have known ahead of time when preparing for birth? And do you want to, do you want me to read this or would you like to tell everybody what you I'll wish you would have done? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, when I was preparing for my VBAC, I think I forgot to prepare for some obvious things because I was so focused on VBAC specific things. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so I forgot that music can be really motivating and special during transition. Mm -hmm. And I think if I could go back, I would have thought of certain songs to request during that time. Um, Mm -hmm. My doula was really kind and she had some songs in mind that she put on for me and they ended up being perfect and they're super special to me now. But I think that's something to remember to plan, just picking a few songs that will motivate you or be special to you during that time. Because I remember it so clearly, you know, that phase right before meeting your baby. Yep. And it's something that can just help you stay in that space because sometimes transition transition can be scary or intense. We we you know it's always different for everyone, but if you have those familiar things, it's it's just you're doing something, you're doing hard work, but in a familiar space. And I I personally connect to music so much. Like mm-hmm. I have my whole life. I used to be a dancer and you know, I just music connects with me and same thing during during birth and even preparing for birth, I would listen to those songs and it would, especially when I would struggle, if there was anything or anything scary that had come into my mind or if someone had said anything, I would go and I'd listen to those songs and to have that during that transition period would be so awesome. And like you said, you, you, you know, there's probably a lot about your labor you remember very vividly and there's some things you don't remember as vividly. But to have those songs and you remember them and you probably remember what you were doing during that time, you know, it's just mm-hmm. so powerful. It is. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your tips. Are there any other tips that you would like to give our listeners before we go? Uh, I think the last thing that I would say is uh, I shared about how the situation that my family was in maybe wasn't ideal. But some Mm -hmm. things are just out of your control as far as where you will be laboring. And I think I would just remember to focus on the things that you can control. And on those days where you feel like you're kind of going crazy, anticipating and preparing for your VBAC, I know I felt like, I just want to know. Like, I want to know if I'm going to have a VBAC. I want the day to come and I want to know, is it going to be a cesarean? Or is it going to be a VBAC? And on those days where it just seems like you're kind of, maybe the word is like obsessing over it. I was there. I just take a deep breath and maybe take a day off from thinking about it. And when it came down to it, I was really able to relax when I realized it's not fully in my control. Yeah, I can can control some things and I'm going to do the best that I can. And I really got to the point where I thought, even if I have another cesarean, I've done all of this research and education mm-hmm. that I feel like I, w- I will be able to choose that in a lot of ways and be confident that it happened, mm-hmm. which yeah. with my first experience, that's what really bothered me. I didn't feel like I got to choose it mm-hmm. and I wish I would have done things differently, but I didn't have all that information. Yeah. So yeah, just some things are out of your control. <laughs> so powerful. And like you said, you know, we can only control what we can control. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to to not be able to control some things, 
But if we can do our best to stay in there, educate ourselves and be in that space, like you said, even if it ultimately does go to repeat cesarean, you know, we're probably going to be looking at that very differently in the end. Um, I know for, for sure. I, I mean, and I didn't even have all the stuff I wish I had with my Mm -hmm. second that ended in a repeat cesarean, but because I mean, it wasn't the birth I wanted, but I was a participant in at least making the final say and that stood out to me. And I think that helped my recovery and it was healing for me to, to do that. And then on top of that, you know, I had things like I wanted to watch my cesarean in particular. I wanted to feel more a part of my cesarean and that, that was huge. And I was able to say those things. I desire this. And so it wasn't within my control and I didn't want that cesarean and I definitely still felt pressure felt pressured to have it but at the same time once I made the choice I still was able to try and and control some of the things that would have that had happened yes it really did it it reflects very differently to me today than I think it won it would have if I didn't Mm -hmm. um so I love that message thank you you're welcome would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Tell us about your experience at thevbacklink.com slash share. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julian Megan's bios, head over to thevbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.